everyone. Welcome to another episode of Parallel Barkings. My name is Larry Backer, and I'm here with my other puppy. Ariana Backer. Bark, bark. All right. And today we are going to talk about, well, actually what I was thinking in my head was the Beverly Hillbillies, and I was about to sing, for those of you who aren't from the U.S., you've missed a gem of what has now become a cult classic TV show from the 1960s about a set of hillbillies who find oil uh, somewhere in uh, the eastern U.S. and then they move to Beverly Hills to live with the rich folks and hilarity ensues uh, as they've got all this money but they continue to live as if they were living uh, in a very rural part of some un unnamed eastern-ish part of the U.S. But anyway, it's a story about oil and the story about oil politics uh, and the story of uh, Saudi Arabia and OPEC and Russia and Ukraine. And it's the story about the complications of something that used to be simple. In the old days, although it was never really true, but this is what we were taught to believe was possible. And we were fed this story in nice, uh, the way we are, you know, um, uh, uh, multi-course meals, every meal, uh, every uh, course in the meal is separate and each of them has a different function and they all have different tastes. And we all believe they're kind of separate, but unified and it actually doesn't turn out to, to work that way. Um, the A couple of days ago, uh, in a meeting of OPEC Plus, a decision was made to reduce the production of oil, I think by about um, let me see. Uh, I don't know if you recall, Ariana, they're going to reduce um, production by 2 million barrels per day. Uh, the reason, the ostensible reason for this, and, and probably likely the a one of the key reasons, of course, there's never only one reason. One of the key reasons for this is that oil prices were falling and oil prices were falling. Uh, because the world had uh, become less panicked about the uh, the supply of uh, at least oil. Natural gas is another story for the Europeans, but about oil to feed uh, economic recovery in the face of the Ukrainian, uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the decoupling of the Chinese and the American economies, and the jitters over uh, conflicts everywhere else. So uh, the trending was down, and all of a sudden, OPEC now does this, and they do this, uh, and of course, again, like the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, hilarity ensues uh, in the form of the Americans. Uh, well, they didn't flip out. They could have flipped out more than they did, uh, but you had the, the kind of righteous anger that our legislators are known for, probably better known for. Uh, well-curated acts of um, of outrage than they are for their substantive work, certainly over the last 20 years, but but at least they have to be good at something. Uh, and they're, they're, they're particularly good at this. And this isn't a jab at either the Democrats or the Republicans. They both seem to be going to the same school of hilarity producing performances. Uh, so no, no partisan criticism, it's an institutional one. Uh, and the reason for that is, of course, they were all outraged, uh, and they were outraged to the point where they were going to punish the Saudis. And a lot more can be said at, at that point, but everyone was angry. 
about that uh, about that. And of course, the result is that oil prices are going up, and as oil prices are going up, people's cost of living go up worldwide. Now this gets much more complicated, but before I, I say anything else, what's your initial reaction, Ariane? Uh, why are we surprised? Very good. I agree. Why are we surprised? And why are we surprised for a bunch of reasons? Yeah. Right? Um, you know, the obvious reason is uh, the Saudis have yet to realize their 2030 plan of a substantially diversified industrial base. And so what's the only thing that they're really selling is oil. It's, it's oil. That's all they got. Um, and they've been taking hits on oil. Why are uh, they going to continue to do so? And it's not like the U.S. and Saudis are best friends. Like, well, that that is actually very interesting, and that's probably the most interesting. It's a very complicated story. relationship, let's say. Well, yeah, and oddly, and oddly dysfunctional in ways that only Americans who are used to drunken uncles at Thanksgiving meals. Uh, can really understand, although there's probably analogs about this for family gatherings at holiday time in virtually every country on right. Earth. Right, like you've got you've got some you've got like Biden trying to stay away from certain members of the family and Not only just certain members. That's that's actually the bullseye, isn't it? <laughs> uh, the, right. the problem is the crown prince, uh, and the problem is in this is an old problem. Now, just to back up for a second. The the story used to be 20 years ago, and I remember these uh, trash, um, uh, I call them mockumentaries, but documentaries, they were political jobs uh, back in the 90s and the 2000s that were talking about how the Americans were embedded with the Saudis and there's nothing the Saudis could do that the Americans wouldn't say yes because uh, the Bush family and the Saudi family, for example, were just deeply tied, or you name a prominent family and blah, blah, blah. But the idea was that we were tied and everything was done for oil. And you still hear that, especially among aging or, or uh, mindless people of political persuasions, both left and right. Um, and it's easy to say it's, it's like a four character Chinese slogan. You don't have to think about it. All you have to do is repeat it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so that was very popular. But then all of that changes, of course, uh, in the, the last four or five years, uh, thanks to a, an act of les majeste, uh, laissez majeste, that is um, uh, uh, bad conduct or disrespectful conduct to a monarch. And here I'm not talking about the Saudi royal family. I'm talking about the royal family of the Washington Post. Uh, and that involved the... Um, the assassination in a, in, in a horrible way. This is not to minimize the horror of that, that act of an employee, or at least a freelance employee of the Washington Post, uh, uh, Mr. Khashoggi, who had been a, uh, a vocal critic of the Saudis, once an insider, now an outsider, uh, who was lured uh, to the Saudi consulate uh, because of some marriage paperwork uh, and then butchered. Uh, in the embassy uh, that caused a riff uh, with the uh, the Turkish government, although footnote, uh, it's, it's always seemed to me kind of odd that the Turks were kind of up to the minute on all of the films and stuff about what was going on, but they waited until after the, uh, the man was butchered before they became outraged. 
but I'll leave it at that. Um, states have their own ways of doing things, I guess. Uh, and then, of course, the Washington Post in the defense of, uh, of someone who had been connected to them. Uh, and then that changed the, uh, given a, a leading press organ in the United States, that kind of changed the tenor of things, although it had been changing for a while. Uh, American opinion, at least among the elites, had been turning anti-Saudi because of their, um, their uh, involvement in the Yemeni war, uh, the Saudis were complicating the uh, American elite's efforts to uh, kiss up to the Iranians, which will be the subject, by the way, of our podcast next week when we talk about the uh, protests for, uh, over the murders of women uh, by the morality police, because in the view of the morality, morality police, that these women were not wearing their, um, their jobs in the correct manner. But stay tuned for that. The American elites, though, uh, because of the uh, the, or the nuclear thing, uh, we're trying to, quote unquote, I'll be nice, like cut a deal. And the Saudis and the Israelis were in the way. Uh, and then they were even more furious because um, one of the, the staples of Middle Eastern politics is that Jews and Sunni uh, Arabs don't will never get along. And now by some miracle of God, uh, Jews and uh, and Sunni Muslims were getting along at a governmental and institutional level, and that was just mucking everything up, especially when they were developing a united front against um, uh, the, the 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 kind of core of institutional theocratic uh, uh, Shia Islam in Iran, and that was just making everyone crazy. So you have all these things going on, uh, which annoyed the American elite. Uh, plus, there was uh, there been some reports, uh, a little bit of which I wrote about uh, about the the CIA or at least a faction. The CIA is highly factionalized, and I'm sure I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, they're highly factionalized, but at least one influential group that had been heavily connected to the Obama administration had backed what turned out to be the wrong horse for the leadership of Saudi Arabia. And they were furious about this and were doing everything they could to undo that choice so that their preferred uh, candidate would come in. And then they, they stupidly became public enough about it so that you could actually catch whiffs of this on the internet. Uh, and so there are all these complications, right? But in, in the context of which, uh, <laughs> The, the Saudis and to some extent the, the Israelis, uh, and certainly uh, during the Obama administration and then the Biden administration, felt that they'd been thrown under several buses, uh, relatively little love lost, deep connections still, relatively little love lost, uh, but now they were more willing to fend for themselves and less willing to make sacrifices or to take a hit for Team America when the only reward for taking a hit for Team America would be to uh, continue to be lambasted by the leading press organs in the United States uh, and to be mocked by uh, the elites in their uh, nasty little sniffy um, dinner parties on Park Avenue in Nantucket. Well, um, no, but... no. What I think is also very funny is one of the questions <laughs> that was asked was, well, was the trip this summer even worth it? Oh, 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 come on. Well, the, the answer this is- This summer. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And no, but that's an excellent point. The, the trip would have been worth it 
had the Americans not messed it up. The Saudis didn't make it easy for them to be sure. Uh, and the Americans have, and again, remember, we, we say the Americans, but like the Saudis and everyone else, uh, there are quite a number of factions. And even though they all may be part of the same party and they all may be loosely in coalitions, a lot of these, the factions that make up the leadership will have different agendas. Uh, and so it's it's always difficult. This is a big caveat. It's always difficult to talk about the Americans doing this. That is a reductionist, essentialist position that never really is useful at, at the granular level. Right. We're basing it on, you know, yeah, the official commentary of, of dialogue that we hear, like, for instance, Dean Baker, the White House ally um, yeah, yeah. and economist, said something like, they're spitting in the face of Joe Biden. Well, you know, when, the Americans have been doing a lot of spitting themselves in the direction of the Middle East. They can only expect right. a little bit back. And, and that's what, that's what's just extraordinary about it. The, the um, it, It's a kind of arrogance mixed with a huge dollop of lack of empathy, which is just extraordinary. Uh, and it comes from this, this uh, attitude, and I won't say imperial, because if, if you are, yeah, if you are a, a well-operating imperial power, you're empathetic uh, enough to be aware of how to well-manage the states within your zones of coordination, right? But these guys are, are, are kind of, I'd say pigs, but that's that's so nasty. <laughs> they are um, less interested in that and they're, they're more willing to show their disdain and, and the way in which this is a one-way street and it never is. Even, in, even when you have uh, significant disparities of power among uh, clusters of states that are bound together, uh, politeness and um, and good manners dictate a certain level of consideration. And uh, lately, the at least some factions of the American establishment that are now in power have gotten into the habit of believing that uh, it's all a one-way street, demand, 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 uh, uh, and you give, 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 and then we'll either back you or not back you as it suits us, but you are really just objects in uh, our chessboard for doing what we want. So right, and I think the, the whole outrage thing and they're spitting in our face is just, it, it plays well though uh, for whatever for group that they're pandering to. Oh, I mean, the whole, as I understand it, the whole idea of the trip originally um, was just to strengthen the relationship and and it was, uh, and it was improve Washington's influence in well, that yes area, no. especially because we're thinking about China and Russia's. Well, yes and no, because recall at the time again, which is why I keep talking about you can't talk about the American view or the American perspective. There were two groups that were really vying for control of the uh, of the agenda of the trip. One group thought that this was a great place for Biden to publicly slap the crown prince over the Khashoggi thing and to demand that he effectively- Yes, I, I guess, there were people who gonna, were calling He was gonna that. be a parish, he was gonna be a parish priest and demand a public confession 
this is like demanding that, uh, where was it, Henry II confessed to the murder of Thomas a Becket in public and then be publicly whipped and then everything would be cool. But that um, was it, also because part of um, Biden's foreign policy platform was human rights. And I think people were exploiting that. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But there's lots of ways of getting to a good human rights result. The, the, the method that they chose uh, was all show and um, I suspect very little substance. They wanted to publicly humiliate. Well, you know, uh, your favorite or, phrase this year, agitprop. And it's agitprop. It is. It's agitprop, uh, which would play well in the U.S., uh, but do a tremendous amount of damage. Uh, right. in, in this thing. And ultimately, you know, for that portion of the of the security services that had backed the wrong horse, uh, it might also serve a secondary end, which is to undermine this person's, the current crown, crown prince's position. And maybe they could then do some little leisure demand to, to shift the, the line of succession, which I think was a ridiculous thing. But, you know, people have different perspectives on what's plausible and what's implausible. Anyway, so you have that faction, and then you have the, oh my God, we really do have to, we've effectively abandoned the Middle East. We have to go back between the Trump and the Biden administration. We've just pulled everyone out disastrously. And, you know, and that was the other problem. The Americans had lost a tremendous amount of credibility with both the uh, extraordinarily badly handled withdrawal from Syria during the Trump administration, uh, about which I wrote very critically at the yeah. time, and then the disaster of the the pullout of uh, in Afghanistan. It was yep. like a, a truculent old man uh, insisting on doing something to prove to his old boss in 2016 that he was right I and he was going to do it. Whatever. It. Ooh, I said I that? would. And I'm gonna do it. And I'm gonna do it. And I don't care how it works because I don't care because I'm I'm the man. And it was a disaster. The problem was it's that it was it, it's the the reverberations of the disaster, which was discounted by the American press until they're surprised and outraged by the reaction, was that there is a tremendous amount of loss of credibility. The Americans can't be trusted. And even if you can't trust them, you can't trust them to do this right. They can't even protect their own people. They can't protect the people who put out for them and took risks for them. So why should we, when uh, the American president and a slim down entourage come to visit us to demand that we put ourselves at risk uh, to further American interests, why should we do this? Uh, the only words that are coming out of my mouth will be, uh, your allies in Syria, your allies in Iraq, and your allies in Afghanistan. And we don't want to be put in that position. We thought you learned that lesson in Vietnam, but apparently you did not. Yeah, right. America. Well, and the, but this is a huge problem. This is a huge problem. So between the so you've got the, the Saudi attitude, you've got this this Khashoggi thing that is the, the theatrics of the Khashoggi thing rather than working towards a real resolution or change, but God knows what's going on in the background. And then you have this disastrous meeting in Saudi Arabia, really disastrous. Uh, although I say that the public side of the meeting, because as you know, uh, what goes on behind closed doors remains behind closed doors. So God knows. What How could we there. know? How could we? But know? whatever it was, it wasn't successful enough to prevent the Saudis within a very short time after that from engineering this effort to shore up oil prices and therefore to protect themselves even at the, the cost of the Americans, Europeans. Yeah, in my opinion, 
the U.S. delegation would have had to do something incredibly amazing well, to win. Well, the Americans weren't up to this, uh, and they couldn't be up to it given the 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 nature. And and again, it sounds easy to blame Biden. You can't. This is the we are reaping both the in very different ways, but they they've developed this. He built up to Halloween, them. this ghostly synergy mm -hmm. uh, that Trump and Biden, because they're there, it's, it's like two different kinds of zombies who've come together, they work together in, in zombie community to build right? a monster. Uh, yeah, we're we're reaping bad decisions, badly executed that that resonate with each other from both the Biden and the Trump administration. So it's this is an equal opportunity disaster. And again, we're not taking sides here in the sense of, oh, the Democrats are bad and the Republicans are good or the Republicans are good and the Democrats are bad. No, it's, it's a little different. And, and so the response, and the reason I mentioned that is, of course, the response of the now Democratic controlled Congress, ironically enough, was to punish the Saudis. And the way they were gonna do it was to do exactly what the Republican controlled Congress was going to do a few years earlier when the Saudis did something similar to during the Trump administration, the Republicans were outraged and they were also gonna pu uh, punish the Saudis uh, through some kind of legislative uh, punishment. So this is what I mean, it's, it, it's, it's equal opportunity disaster here. Um, in the meantime, right, the, the Saudis, the Israelis, the Egyptians are now getting together uh, with the Turks uh, and developing something of an autonomous um, approach, one that keeps the door open to China, uh, as well as to the Americans. There's a back door to Russia, which is annoying. Although in, in the Middle East, that's a little problematic because that door leads to Syria. And if you lead to Syria, then you're, you're not leading to the other group, right? The, the Saudi, Israeli, Egyptian, Turkish group for a variety of reasons. And then you've got Iran lurking in there. So there's there's all kinds of things going on. And so when you when the press began talking about this for like half a nanosecond, which is the last thing I'm, I'm gonna talk about, which is the, the consequences of all of this. When they talked about this for a nanosecond, they talked about it as if it was some kind of one-off thing. So we can talk about OPEC and oil prices completely detached from everything else. Yeah. And you can't. And no. the attachment here, the attachment here comes in several parts. One, the oil thing may or may not have the kind of effects that the Saudis think it may by cutting 2 million barrels a day. The, the, <laughs> the Russians have been, because they have no choice, been selling fairly cut rate uh, priced oil to China to meet uh, Chinese needs. And then they've been pushing it down uh, through Iran and India. Everyone kind of knows this. It's been in the press. Again, this is all stuff that you can get on the internet. And so that's flooding the market. It's not clear that the Russians are in a position to close that spigot. And they're likely not to be the ones that are gonna stop production. Um, from the, the Saudi perspective, that works well for them anyway, because oil in the ground means oil that you can sell tomorrow and someone else can just spew all their oil now mm -hmm. uh, because they need to at fairly low prices and there'll be less oil that they'll have. Although well, that's, a, that's a much more risky and weird um, 
set of equations. So you've got that, that may or may not effectively reduce the amount of oil washing around the world, right? That the, the Russia-China thing and the Russia down to Iran uh, through India thing. Um, but the other thing that's going on uh, at, at the same time is that the, the Russo-Ukrainian war, to the extent that oil production will be an important element in um, European and American productivity becomes a real issue. So we're not really worried about the price of oil going up. What we're worried about in the short term for the US is the price of oil going up four weeks before the midterm elections where the hottest issue appears to be inflation and the cost of living. Yeah, I was wondering when we were gonna talk about elections. Well, yeah, no, I mean, you know, because the Americans are, all countries are self-centered, but in this case, it's particularly important for the Americans to be self-centered because this is a crucial, this election is gonna be even more important than the blowing up of the uh, bridge to Crimea, which we're going to talk about next week as well. Mm -hmm. right? But this is this is critically important. And so the reason everyone is screaming, of course, is that three and a half weeks from now, there's going to be an election with- a How dare this news of, blow up right now before people need to vote for me? Yeah, right. And and so that's, that's one of the issues. But the other issue, right, is that it's it's not just inflation that's going to raise the cost of living, what the Americans and, of course, the Europeans are going to fear, which the Chinese do not fear, because, again, they're supposedly, uh, they're moving, Russia's moving its natural resources out through them at cut rate prices. So they don't have the same issue that we do, right, is that um, it will foster or, or enhance conditions for recession, for mm -hmm. business slowdown, because prices are going to go up at precisely the time when the Chinese and their industries are not going to be suffering the same kind of difficulty. They have no, problems in fact, their I own. Think their, their local production prices went down. Yeah, but you know the Chinese have other problems and they've got other concerns. Yeah, and so true. that that's may true. that may even things out. But it it puts the um, it puts the recovery in an awkward position and it puts the um, the competition in a uh, in, in to some extent one of the most important aspects of global politics right now, this this um, contest or this realignment, this power realignment between the Anglo-European world and the Marxist-Leninist world centered in China, it puts the uh, Anglo-Europeans in a very awkward position, right? So all of these things are going on at, at once. And so it's not merely, ah, what's two billion barrels among friends a day? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it it really is it's it's a kind of little window onto there it's it's our the theory at parallel barking is that you pull a little string and the whole sweater comes unraveled uh kind of thing it and there's there's lots of things going on of course remaining true to our human rights values it remains critically important for the americans to regain their reputation they're going to have to do it by action and not by words among their traditional friends in the middle east at some point american elites are going to have to take a very deep breath and really think hard about the what kind of rose-colored glasses they are using they believe it's all real politique but i'd like to know what they're smoking because i'd like to have some myself um 
Are you talking about their views about Iran? Their views about Iran. Oh, I see. I see. I see. see. Well, we'll see. Again, things may be changing there. uh, Oh, oh, oh! You actually think they believe what they're saying? Well, who knows? I mean, I, I, I find it hard enough to get into my own mind. I'm not going to try to get into the minds of these people, Uh, but I can surmise from their actions where you know you can you can spin out where their actions or you can hold them to their words uh what these things mean and and assuming that they mean what they say uh and that's not always true but we'll hold them to it because they they wind up saying it in public then yeah that's going to require a reorientation which is not happening right now and 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 so we've got we've got ourselves a, a very interesting global situation uh, one of the more interesting aspects of which is this, uh, but for me, the the most the, the the most tragic part of all of this is the inability of the people to whom we have entrusted our lives, our fortunes, and our liberties. Their apparently increasing and gross inability uh, to actually see the situation in its all its complexities. And I'm sorry. Uh, they're the grown-up, or they're supposed to be, and they're the ones whose responsibility is to do that, however painful it is. Uh, I just don't see it happening, and and therefore the risk of disaster on our side, uh, especially for those of us who value uh, and have a deep stake in the preservation and the future prosperity of this republic, uh, irrespective of whatever silly party has their marginally silly uh, political agendas, which really should be focused on the people rather than their own egos, but that's another podcast. Well, I mean, I uh, feel like that they really have. They, they're you yes, know. yes, they're in their own vacuum, just like academia is in its own vacuum. No, oh my God, and that's a huge vacuum too. I think it's a Dyson <laughs> to make a plug for Dyson. <laughs> hugely vacuum sucky there. Yeah, the tech world gotta, is in its own vacuum. Yeah, I will, they got a. What was that. it from? Um, from the the movie uh, Spaceballs, they got to flip the switch from suck to blow. Yes, suck, suck, suck. <laughs> blow. And I think we 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 have oiled this one out. Yeah. So yeah. last words. I think we've done. <laughs> I think we've done it. All right, folks. Have a good one, and until our next podcast, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bark, bark. <laughs>